Well, good morning. As Chad said, I, my name is JC. I'm the district administrator for the Northwest District. We serve over 150 churches um, in Washington and northern Idaho, and it's just a privilege to be able to serve so many churches, so many fine leaders uh, in, in our area. Uh, we have great churches, and you are part of a great, great family. But it can be a little odd when people ask me what I do for a living because I have to go, I'm a pastor, but I don't work for a church. Because whenever they say you're a pastor, it's like, well, what church do you work for? Well, I don't work for a church. And you eventually get to, basically, I'm a church bureaucrat. Um, I just hope that that doesn't make me a Pharisee somehow, because for some reason, I don't know what that means, but... Anyway, it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be here this morning, uh, even on such short notice. Um, uh, worship was great. You have a great worship team, and it's, it's just a privilege to be here. This morning, uh, what I want to do is I, I just want to unpack a little bit of when we get, when we get saved, when we get to be a follower of Christ, that first moment we, we get saved, we start following God, sometimes there can be this, okay, now what? You're all excited, you're all like, okay, I'm ready to go, now what? Well, this morning, I, I want to look at Colossians 3, and because to me, it kind of helps answer that now what question. What what do we do now? Now that we are saved, what do we do? Because I believe, I believe these verses will actually help us to be encouraged and challenged. And it'll lay out a way of life that I believe that the world is crying out for. It, for followers of Christ who actually resemble Christ. Paul, writing to the church in Colossae, which is actually out of all of the letters that, he, that Paul wrote to churches to, in, in cities, he never actually went to this city. He never actually visited this church. He just heard that there was this great church growing in Colossae. And so he just wrote them a letter just saying, Okay, here it is. Since I can't be with you in person, let me break some things down for you of what it means to be a follower of Christ and the church. Chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ, meaning basically since you have been, as we would say, saved, now that you are a follower of Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and now your life is hidden with Christ God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I'm going to just stop for a moment. Basically, Paul's saying, since you are now a follower of Christ, since you have been saved... It's time to set your mind on 
godly things, no longer on earthly things. You can take the world, just give me you. Since you are a follower of Christ now, you are no longer preoccupied with temporary things, but now you are to be concerned about eternal things. You no longer are living for earthly carnal needs, but you are seeking the will of God in your life. Your focus should not be on what our culture says is important, but on what God says is important. An example of this would be, uh, I, I see a number of young people in the room, is that wonderful thing called dating. Uh, having just been married uh, for five months, I, I'm still fairly fresh to what that whole dating thing looked like. And in the world's perspective, dating can tend to be about what? Sex, right? That's the goal. As my dad told me when I was a middle schooler, son, there are two reasons you date somebody, to have sex or to get married. You're a little young to get married, so we might want to wait. The world's focus when it comes to those types of relationships can tend to be the temporary carnal things. But then... As a Christian, when we look at a situation like this, like dating, we have the wonderful thing of discerning God's will. Is this the right person for me? Is this who God wants me to marry? Which is a terrible thing to do to a young person. Because not only are you just trying to figure out, you know, if you like somebody, but then you have to start discerning the will of the Lord. And that can be a very uh, difficult thing for a young person. But... It's an example of how the world can, can view something different than we would view it. Now that we are saved, it's time to, to focus on different things. He continues in verse 5 with this great metaphor that we are about to read. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them in perfect unity. Now, as we are no longer focused on earthly things, but rather godly things, Paul says, okay, there are things that essentially we need to take off. Just as 
the in the Greek the the metaphor that he's using is is taking off dirty, stinky, nasty clothes, taking those things off, and when he says put to death, the metaphor is you would take these clothes off that are just horrible, and you would actually burn them. You burn these things so so the clothes are no longer there. That's essentially what he's saying, is that you have been clothed with these terrible things, these this sin. You've been clothed with it, and it's time to take it off and burn it. Why why is Paul saying this? Why does God want us to not uh, have this in our life besides that it's sin? It, it's because these are the things that will destroy relationships. As followers of Christ, we are to be love and we are to be people of, of reconciliation. We are to, to be people of relationship with each other, in relationship with each other. And the, the things that we are to take off, the things of our earthly nature... Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. Greed's a big one. He says that it's idolatry because greed is the worship of what you don't have. I think greed produces all these other characteristics in us. The need for more, the, the not being content with what we have and always needing whatever our heart desires. Anger. Get anger in your heart, and then rage, which is anger in action, malice, slander, filthy language, lying to each other, and prejudice, which is thinking less about someone for any number of reasons. He's saying to us as followers of Christ, don't let culture, doctrine, education, or class divide us. We are to be together as a unified people as a family, and these things that we are to take off, those things will destroy us as a family if we have them in our lives, and it will destroy our relationship with God. That was our old self, our old, stinky, rotting, holy clothes that we just need to take off and burn But in its place, we are to put on some new clothes, some new things. Characteristics of, of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because why? These are the characteristics of Christ. And as a follower of Christ, we are to be, as Paul writes in Ephesians, imitators of God. We are to put on compassion Kindness, humility, because it's not about you. Gentleness, patience, forgiveness. God has forgiven us of so much. And yet sometimes forgiveness can get us stuck because we somebody's hurt us. And it says, and above all, whether you could be talking about a, a belt or a zipper, the thing that ties it all together is love. God is love. And as a follower of Christ, we are to be love. Our new self, our new clothes, looks like God.
And I'm here to tell you that the world is crying out for people, for Christians, for followers of Christ to look like Christ. Too often, the world has experienced little to none of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love from Christians. They don't believe in Christ because they don't see an accurate reflection of him in us. They don't see it in his church. And so this morning I'm going to implore you to to let the world see your new clothes. Let them see the characteristics of Christ in your life. And now we get to verse 15, and and the next three verses are some of my three favorite verses in all the Bible. I love these verses. Because now that we are clothed in the characteristics of Christ, now we start getting into some actions as followers of Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, You are called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving him thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts so that we live in peace. This word rule in the Greek is actually an athletic term. It means to umpire or to referee. We need the peace of Christ to tell us if something's out of bounds. We need the peace of Christ to tell us if we've done something against the rules. Do you work towards peace or do you work towards conflict? As a follower of Christ, we are to be people of peace. Now, conflict may come and find us, but there's a big difference between between conflict finding us and us going out and finding conflict, right? So, as followers of Christ, we are to work towards peace. The old clothes, the old earthly way, sought out conflict and division. The new, the new clothes, the, the new characteristics seek peace because we have the peace of Christ in us. And then he goes on to say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I'm, I'm so thankful that you guys are doing the, the 40 days in the word. Because I truly believe that having the Word of God in your life will make all the difference. It'll help you stay focused, like we talked about earlier, focused on the, earth, on the heavenly things, not the earthly things. It'll help us to clothe ourselves in these new clothes. But it says in here, let the Word of Christ dwell in us. 
Dwell means, has the word of God found a home in you? Or is it merely a timeshare? Does it have a permanent residence in you? Or is it there just a couple of weeks? And then you, you move on. And then you come back for a couple more weeks here and there. If you want to keep the old nasty clothes off of you, you, you need to have the Word of God dwelling in you, having a home in you permanently. Staying in the Word is possibly the most important thing you can do in your life. Because more than anything else in my life, it keeps me focused on God. It can be a challenge to find that time to read the Bible, to, to spend time with God. But we're called to do it, and, and this is a challenge to me, to make it a priority. And I'm so, once again, I'm so thankful. I'm so excited that you guys are doing 40 Days in the Word because hopefully it'll, it'll help if you're struggling with that. It'll help cultivate that in you so that the Word of God will dwell in you permanently. Because as the Scripture says, the reason we need the, the Word of God to live in us permanently is because it says so that we can teach and admonish one another. We are meant to live in community with each other and learn from each other and warn each other when we are headed for disaster. However, our teaching and our warning must be based out of the Bible, not out of our good intentions, not out of what we think is right, but rather what we see in the Bible. Have you ever had somebody try to help you, help you with your walk with God and your life and it just was flat out wrong? Uh, they had good intentions. They may have been telling you good things, but the basis of where they were coming from, it wasn't, it wasn't biblical. When I was a youth pastor, I found this old... Uh, a book and workbook for young men uh, that was from the, uh, it was, I, I think, the early 70s. And um, I, I found it along with a bunch of other old books in our church library at the time. And it was really actually quite a funny book because the best I could tell, the whole point of the book was how to not be a dirty hippie. As a Christian, you can't be a dirty hippie. <laughs> that was the point of the book. It, it, was, it was telling you how important things like posture was for a Christian man. And having short hair and wearing slacks and nice shirts and, you know, that, and even saying things like, if you have good posture, you'll get better grades and you'll get jobs and all this stuff. It was coming from a very well-meaning point, but they were really making some stretches with the biblical verses that they were trying when they talked about how a godly man has amazing posture and to take a pencil and line it up from your earlobe down to the middle of your shoulder to make sure you had good posture. They were trying to warn and address 
problems that they saw in young people, but they were taking good grooming and trying to make it biblical. We need to have the Word of Christ dwell in you so that when you teach and warn, that's what admonish means, means to warn others, it's coming from a godly place, not a personal place. You also need to keep the Word of God in you because it will help you go deeper in your worship. Worship is essential to us keeping the old clothes from finding their way back onto us. Worship reminds us of who God is and that we are the worshiper and he is the worshipped, not the other way around. He is not he is not there to give us everything that we want, but we are here to give him everything. So we need to have the word of God in us permanently so that we can teach each other, so that we can warn each other when we're we're going down the wrong path. And as we worship, we can worship from from a deeper place. I love that you guys put scripture in your worship set. That was great. Let the word of God dwell in you. Be thankful to God. In these three verses, every verse talks about being thankful to God. This is a big one. This will help you keep your relationship with God strong. Have you ever been mad at God? I have. There have been a few times God and I, we've gotten into some shouting matches. But every time I come angry at God and just needing to have it out, as I'm telling God, this is what I think you should have done. God has this amazing way of all of a sudden creeping into my brain and going, well, here's what I have done for you. And I think about all the amazing things that God has done and blessed me with. I'm reminded of how he's changed me. How he's helped me take off those old dirty clothes and burn them. And you know what happens? I'm no longer mad at God. Thankfulness changes my heart. Whenever you feel that those old clothes slipping back on. Think of everything that God has done for you. And while you still may have your current problem or your current circumstance, at least you know that God is in charge. And for me, my thinking tends to go, God, I don't know why this is happening, but I trust you. And you always take care of me. I am a blessed man. Thank you for all you've done. And then we get to verse 17, the last verse that we're going to look at. And it says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Everything in my life represents Christ. Everything. In the Greek, whatever, whatever you do means everything. There's nothing I can do that Christ's name is not on now that I've claimed myself to be a follower of Christ. The author N.T. Wright says that it's as if we are hanging a sign with Christ's name on it over everything we do. Whether it's sharing your faith, faith with a neighbor, mowing your lawn, praying, putting your kids to bed, talking with your coworkers, watching TV, playing air guitar, brushing your teeth, feeding the homeless, driving your car. Everything you do is, is having a sign placed over it saying, Jesus Christ. It's kind of like the, the USDA choice Jesus stamp on everything. What would look like in your life if you were aware that even in the mundane moments of your life, insignificant moments, you thought, I'm putting God's name on this? What would change about brushing your teeth? What would change about putting your kids to bed? What would change about driving your car? What would change? Once you give your life to God and You hand the keys to Jesus so that he can drive. Your name is no longer being put on what you do, but rather you are representing God and you're representing all of us. You belong to his family. We all do. And and the reputation can mean a lot. Have you ever had families where it's like, oh, well, we know how the Jones kids are. What else did you expect? Or you even have the opposite of that, are like, oh, those Smiths, those are good people, aren't they? A name can carry a lot. We are our fathers, and we represent the family. What you do represents me, and what I do represents you. We are both putting our Father's name on everything we do. You have the greatest opportunity to point people towards Jesus or to point them away from him based on what you do. This was something as a new Christian I had trouble with. My mouth proclaimed that I was a follower of Christ, but my actions didn't always match that. But... Sometimes we hear things like this and we're like, oh my gosh, I have to be perfect now. And you have this pressure and this stress of like, I need to do everything right. Don't freak out about the need to be perfect. We are not expected to be perfect because we are sinful people still. But in fact, how we handle our mistakes and how we handle our sin can be the greatest witness to the world. People notice how we handle our sin. There's one thing that you get from this morning. Please remember that we have the honor of putting Christ's name on everything we do. The world is watching us. What 
do they see? I hope they see a life of love, a life that improves and strengthens relationships, not tears them apart. A life of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love, peace, thankfulness, full of worship, the Word of God in us, lovingly teaching and warning each other, and remembering that God's name is being hung on everything we do and is pointing them to God the Father. The world is crying out for people who live like this, for people who look like Christ. They see his name on what we do, whether we like it or not. But do they see him? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. This morning, are there parts, are there, are there old clothes that you, you need to take off and burn? More importantly, are there new clothes that you need to put on? Do you need compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love? Are there actions that you need to take letting the peace of Christ rule in your heart? Do you need to be more peaceful? Do you need to be more thankful to God? Do you need to let the Word of God take a permanent residence in you? And thankfully, you as a church are about to walk through that, if that's what you need. Do you need to go deeper into worship? The world is crying out for us to be like our Savior. And they're tired of not seeing that. And it's an amazing thing when they do. Because they go, I want that. I want to be like that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for all your blessings. God, if there have been things that have crept back into our life, part of the old clothing that we need to take off and burn, God, I just pray, give us the strength to say, no, I'm not going to allow that back in my life. Because I want to have a healthy relationship with you and with my church family. God, give us compassion, give us kindness, give us humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. God, help us to be the light in the darkness. 